Just say the word. 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 Hello, I'm Paul Mangel. And I'm Yulia Stancheva. Welcome to Just Say the Word, a podcast in which we pay homage to our relationship with words, their meaning, and their power to create our world. In every episode, we invite a special guest and ask them, what is your word? What does it mean to you? Where does it come from? As we immerse ourselves in the world of each guest, we'll tell you the story of their chosen word and how it relates to their life's experiences, successes, and achievements. Our guest on this episode is Tamara Rogers, the Global Chief Marketing Officer for Helion, formerly GlaxoSmithKline Consumer Healthcare. Prior to joining the group, Tamara spent 25 years at Unilever. She has nearly 30 years' experience in FMCG with numerous commercial roles across marketing, advertising, and management in local, regional, and global capacities. So, Tamara Rogers, welcome to Just Say the Word. And now it is time for you to say the word. The word is humanity. Humanity. Huge word in a way. Tell us about humanity and you know, why have you brought that word to us today? I brought it because I think it's a really powerful word. It's a powerful idea. It's a collective noun that uh, describes humankind, but it's also a behavior. And it's the behavior bit that, that really intrigues me. Um, because I cannot think of a time where we need an approach that is fueled and infused by humanity with everything that we face that's happening on the planet, an appreciation of others, a desire to, to make a difference for others and to, to see our commonalities and not our differences. And I think that comes from acting with humanity. Yeah. Quite a lot of our guests, when they come, that they've, they're reacting to their word at, at some stage in their lives. So are you reacting to humanity from a, a deeper past? Have you seen inhumane things and you're reacting to that? Or, or, or are you doubling down on humanity in the positive? So when I, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a doctor. And I changed my mind. That's a long story we won't go into now. But I changed my mind. But I studied chemistry, biology, physics. I did physiology. And I've always been interested in how you can make a difference in, in the world. And despite 25 years at Unilever, I always did love healthcare. And, and even when I worked at Unilever, I was in, in, uh, in areas of making a positive impact on people's lives. But I did eventually come full circle back into healthcare. And really, it's this idea of humanity in health that I think has always lived with me. So it's been part of me and what I think matters. Do you have another word for humanity or a collection of words maybe that, that, that you feel is uh, yeah. inappropriate? Um, if it was just one, it would be consideration. But I think there's respect in there as well and empathy. So I think it's that sort of combination of consideration for others, respect for others, and then having, having huge empathy. Dehumanization might be too strong a word, but as we get into the realms of artificial intelligence and other forms of discovery that, that perhaps aren't just you know down to down to humans, do you find that that interferes with this notion that things are good for the future? Well, I think um, the advances of technology and science are a good thing. I think the advances of machine learning, AI, potentially robotics. Um, are a really good thing. And I think it's about how you augment that with humanity. The repetitive tasks in life, the ability to have some of those mundane things done by, by machine, leaving, leaving us humans to uh, experience each other, experience life, I think is actually a big enabler. Obviously, and there's a lot of talk about um, things like machine learning and AI 
and how they can only be as good as the inputs that they get. And so how do you make sure that they're getting uh, quality inputs that really embrace the breadth of diversity and inclusion? Because there's been all sorts of stories around how AI have sort of modeled yeah. it into almost um, racist outcomes. And so you really have to make sure that the inputs, you know, the machines can only learn on the inputs that they get. But I do see the advances of science of technology really advancing humanity. Picking up on the other side of your of the equation, you know, the marketing experience that you've got, you know, is there anything tricky? Is there anything uh, worrisome when you're talking about marketing, which is essentially to one aspect of it is to is to is to explain to people what what a product or a service or something is, but another one is to try to persuade them perhaps yes. to do something. You know, is there is there anything that conflicts with 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 uh, the essence of benevolent humanity within that? Yeah, absolutely fascinating topic around what is the role of marketing, and I think we saw through probably the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands a real sense of consumerism. Now, is consumerism a good thing for our planet and and for our people or or not? And I think, uh, and certainly in the world of health, we see big gaps that can be closed and the opportunity for improving quality of life. Um, it's incredible how many people suffer. So, for example, nine out of ten people will suffer from pain at some point in the year, but only one third of them do something about it. And the number of people who are missing from the workplace because they're suffering from pain. A lot of the focus that we have is around in our marketing department and in R&D is really trying to get into behavioural science. Why is it that only one third of people take action? What's stopping them? And if we can understand the barriers to action and then in, in our marketing communicate around condition awareness, how do you then take action? We believe we can really have a positive impact on the quality of life and, and outcomes and, ha and help people manage their living with pain. And in so doing, you get people back into the workplace, you increase productivity for, for the companies, but also for, for a country. So we see the role of marketing in the self-care arena as really significant and, and able to have a, a positive impact. That's a fantastic thing, and, and, I, and I, uh, I chime in with that. Uh, you know, marketing doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a, a sale mechanism. It can be an educational mechanism as well. We've looked at what you might call the positive side of the word humanity. Uh, without wanting to get tangled up, but, but wanting to make the point, humans are made up of lots of different kinds of characteristics, uh, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Is there any element within humanity that, that for you is, well, you know, we just have to, have to accept that, you know, that there is, there is a will to do good, there is a structure that uh, enables society to thrive, but there are also elements within us that are destructive and, and antagonistic. Yeah, and I think it's really important to understand it. And one of the things that I always find fascinating is whenever a new technology comes to market, you may have had an intent of how that technology was going to be used, but behaviour and the way that uh, people then take a technology and how they actually use it can be quite different. <clears throat> but there's definitely an underbelly in humanity. Um, and I think if you're naive to that, you don't realise just the size of the task that's ahead of you. And then I think another part of the concept for us around humanity is it isn't just a fluffy, warm thing. Um, when I think about uh, what we're trying to achieve, which is, uh, being in healthcare, it's a very functional place to be. You want the products to work, um, they have to deliver functionally. But that can be quite cold and quite distant. And so as I came into this industry, I recognised that there was a real potential to close that gap of um, functional only, to bring more emotion in. 
thinking of humanity now, going back to the, the, the good side of, you know, the positive side, how humanity constructs itself in order to be most positive, is there any element of subjectivity where people really have to take personal responsibility for their own humanity? If they find that difficult, should we be teaching humanity? Yes, I mean, I think the... Um the individual accountability and collective action piece is, is really key. There can be a bit of a delegation of responsibility of self to the family, to the community, to government. So there's sort of a bit of a, an expectation that I should be looked after. And certainly what we've seen in health in particular over the last couple of years is a bit of a realisation that actually um, this is in your hands and you can do something about it. So yes, I do think there's an accountability for the self. You know, in terms of an education, educating around inclusion and respect for others, I think is a really critical piece. And whether whether it's something you start at school, for me, it's as people come into adulthood and they start taking responsibility for how they behave to each other, whether it's within a community or, or across countries, um, would be a massive enabler to a, a better world. One of the things that seems to me that gets in the way of humanity in the way that a human wants to act is uh, some kind of metastructure. You know, it could be political, could be, uh, could be group action. Um, you know, politics, uh, things that are done in the names of politics or religion uh, can often be inhuman. Um, how do you fight that? There is a battleground. And um, what's really fascinating, we've worked with a company called Edelman. They're a PR agency. They have um, run something they call the Trust Barometer for many, many years, over 10, maybe even 20 years now. And what you see in tracking over time is um, people have lost faith in institutions. They've lost faith in governments. They've lost faith in banks. What has grown significantly is trust in their employer. So trust, I trust my employer is now at 78% uh, for, for all the people they survey, and they survey across many, many countries. And I think there is a significant role now for companies and organisations to role model and, and act in ways that raise the bar, that, that sort of show people how you should behave. And we do that through our brands. You know, if you think about how much money is spent in media, is spent in advertising, we have a phenomenal uh, ability to role model what good looks like. And the film industry, the media industry, we all have a significant role to play in, uh, in that. We know that consumers are looking to buy into companies and brands that are aligned to their values. Yeah, yeah. And that are acting in line with those values. Absolutely. And then kind of bringing it back down finally to back deeply down to the individual. What advice would you give to the individual as to how to practice kindness each day? In other words, you know, in a, you know, build build humanity from the bottom up or from the heart out. Yes. I think the best advice I've got is to get out of your own head. We have an incredible capacity as humans to interpret signals that come at us, whether that's somebody talking to you and you're trying to double guess and second guess meaning all the time. And you can personalise that and end up reacting to it. If you can get out of your own head to try and understand where somebody else is coming from, try and put your feet in their shoes, I think the way you act and respond to others changes quite significantly. Yeah, absolutely right. So that would be my advice. Get out of your own head. Fantastic. Tomorrow, that has been a um, great conversation. Thank Thanks you. ever so much. Thank you. It's been fun. Just say the word. Just say the word. 
The word humanity comes from the Latin humanitas, for human nature, kindness. The term can mean an attitude, a morality, or sentiment of goodwill towards a fellow human. It can also mean the collective existence of all human beings. Some of the synonyms used for humanity are human beings, human race, humankind, humans, mankind, and world, as well as compassion, brotherly love, and fellow feeling. What meanings does the word humanity acquire when translated into Greek? And how the concept of humanity relates to the Greek language and culture? My colleague, Joanna Shioka, will tell us all about it, since she is the honorable language detective in this episode. The translation of humanity in the Greek language is anthropodida, which means mankind, as well as the quality of being humane. The words anthropismos and anthropodita are related to the word anthropos, which means human being. As someone who has Greek roots, I am very proud that the ancient Greeks have influenced humanity in so many impressive ways. They made important contributions to so many aspects of life, from philosophy and maths to astronomy and medicine. Even after 3,000 years, we're still using ancient Greek ideas in science and art. Hundreds of words we use today come from the Greek language. Ancient Greek thinkers made big discoveries. Hippocrates was one of them. He was famous as the father of the Hippocratic Oath which doctors still take today when they swear to be honest and truthful in their profession. Philosophers like Socrates and Plato asked existential questions like, what is a good life? And how do we think? There is so much about the ancient Greeks and the way they changed the world and humanity. But what humanity means to me personally is the devotion and passion I have for running my 10K or half marathons in support of the charity Cancer Research. It is the charity closest to my heart as many members of my family have had cancer, have passed away from cancer and have beaten cancer. After all, humanity, as the ancient Greek philosophers say, symbolizes human love and compassion towards each other. And that's what it means to me too. What do philosophers say about humanity? For many of the big thinkers, humanity is a virtue linked with basic ethics of altruism derived from the human condition. What does it mean to be human? What separates us from other species and makes us unique? We know some of the most distinctive features of humanity are our intelligence, creativity and language. But is that enough to be human? For centuries, the world's philosophers have devoted their work and lives to find the answers to these and many more questions that usually arise in the face of a moral dilemma or existential crisis. Immanuel Kant, who is widely regarded as one of the most influential Western philosophers of all time, believed that as humans, we are determined and capable of knowledge and the ability to act on it without depending on anyone else even religion or some divine intervention. Hence Kant believed that we are human because of our reason. 
Like other species, we do things, we act, but unlike them, we give reasons for our actions. And dead for Kant is essentially what it means to be human. Friedrich Nietzsche, another revolutionary philosopher who was best known for his book Human, All Too Human, a book for free spirits. Here is a quote of his book manifesting his thoughts on humanity. That meditating on things human, all too human, is one of the means by which man can ease life's burden. By exercising this art, one can secure presence of mind in difficult situations and entertainment amid boring surroundings. For Nietzsche, our awareness gives meaning to humanity, as we are capable of what he calls psychological observations, the ability to see things from an analytical perspective. With this, we, as humans, can control the narrative of our existence. Plato is a famous Greek philosopher who contemplated on humanity in his theory of human nature. He believed that humans have both immaterial mind, soul, and material body. For Plato, the soul is the source for everything we feel – love, anguish, anger, ambition, fear. And most of our mental conflicts as humans are caused by these aspects not being in harmony. He also believed that human nature is social. Humans need other humans. We derive satisfaction from our social interactions and deep existential meaning from our relationships. What does it mean to be human? Is it compassion, empathy, logic, our consciousness? In this world of technology, social media and advanced scientific discoveries, it's important to keep asking this crucial question. Have you ever thought about how many songs with the word human in their titles have been written? The list is remarkably long. Here are just a few of them. Humanity by Scorpions. John Legend and the Roots also have a song called Humanity. Human Nature by Madonna. Michael Jackson also has a song with the same title, Human Nature. Human by the Human League. Also The Killers and Rag and Bone have songs with the same title, Human. Songs that have a message for humanity. Michael Jackson Earth, We Are The World, by various artists. Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? John Lennon, Imagine. Bob Marley, One Love. And Heal The World, by Michael Jackson. Which one is your favorite? I love all of them. If I could play them for you right now, I would. In fact, I will tell you a secret. I have created a playlist on Spotify with songs that have the word humanity or human in their title as well as songs that are written about humanity and our world. It is called the Humanity Music Project. If you fancy, you can find it on Spotify and have a listen to it. There are many films that explore the best and the worst of humanity, as well as all the things that are truly worth being alive for, like love, family, friends, you get the gist. We could talk here about the sci-fi movie Avatar and how it dived deep into the darkest depths of the corrupted human soul, which actually made us hate human beings at the end of the movie. Am I right? 
but I will skip it. After all, I'm known as a very positive person, and as such, I always strive to look for the best in people. So instead, I prefer to talk here about a favorite film of mine, which is often ranked as one of the best ever made films, Schindler's List. Now that's a three hour and 15 minutes long movie that can drip your heart and still leave you bleeding with hope for humanity. In the midst of the worst time of our history, the war and the Holocaust, somehow the good in people prevail. The film tells the true story of Oskar Schindler, a German industrialist who saved more than 1,300 Jews from the Nazis. Although it is emotionally taxing and difficult to watch, if you watch till the end, you will not only be rewarded with the brilliant performances by the actors' ensemble, including Liam Neeson, Rafe Fiennes and Ben Kingsley, but you will also delight in the hopeful universal message at the end. The actions of one person can make a difference in the lives of others. Another film that I wanted to mention briefly here is The Elephant Man by David Lynch, which tells the story of a heavily disfigured man and the humanity behind his monstrous appearance. It was nominated for eight Oscars and had brilliant performances from Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt and Anne Bancroft. Here are three books that speak volumes about humanity and the human nature. Sapiens, a brief history of humankind. Homo Deus, a history of tomorrow. And 21 lessons for the 21st century. All by Yuval Noah Harari. In his book Sapiens, a brief history of humankind, Yuval Noah Harari talks about what makes people happy. Is it money, family, genetics, or perhaps virtue? Philosophers, priests and poets have brooded over the nature of happiness for millennia. And many have concluded that social, ethical and spiritual factors have as great an impact on our happiness as material conditions, writes Harari in his book. Another topic that he discusses in the book, which I find quite intriguing, is cyborg engineering. Cyborgs are beings which combine organic and inorganic parts, such as a human with bionic hands. In a sense, nearly all of us are bionic these days, since our natural senses and functions are supplemented by devices, such as eyeglasses, pacemakers, orthotics, and even computers and mobile phones. Or as Yuval Harari says, we stand poised on the brink of becoming true cyborgs, of having inorganic features that are inseparable from our bodies. Features that modify our abilities, desires, personalities, and identities. And such a cyborg would no longer be human, or even organic. It would be something completely different. It would be fundamentally another kind of being that we cannot even grasp the philosophical, psychological, or political implications. There are many famous humanity poems written by some of the greatest and most well-known modern and classical poets, like Humanitat by Oscar Wilde, Humanity, I Love You by Edward Esling Cummings, Life by Charlotte Bronte, What Can We Do by Charles Bukowski. Here is a short extract from the last one. 
which I find quite interesting and provoking, as it is with all Bukowski's literature. At their best, there is gentleness in humanity, some understanding and, at times, acts of courage. But all in all, it is a mass, a globe that doesn't have too much. It is like a large animal deep in sleep, and almost nothing can awaken it. When activated, it's best at brutality, selfishness, unjust judgments, murder. What can we do with it, this humanity? Nothing. Avoid the thing as much as possible. Treat it as you would anything poisonous, vicious and mindless. But be careful. It has enacted laws to protect itself from you. It can kill you without cause. And to escape it, you must be subtle. Charles Bukowski's poem is thought-provoking. It makes you pause and contemplate on the role each one of us play in this humanity that is poisonous, vicious and mindless, as Bukowski describes it. While some see the dark side in humans, others choose to see the light in humanity. Like Mahatma Gandhi, who famously said once, you must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is like an ocean. If a few drops of the ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. A love for humanity is one of the most difficult kinds of love. It's easy to love your family, friends, the ones we call our people, or whom we regard as one of us. But it takes a special kind of courage to love people no matter who they are or where they come from. With so many nasty things going on in the world now, wars, hunger, natural disasters, climate crisis, we have all the more reasons to spread love rather than hate. So how do we express humanity? Through compassion. It is one of the essential traits in humans. Right from opening the door for someone or opening your seat in public transport to someone who needs it are some small examples of kindness that we can all implement in our daily lives. Also, using words of encouragement for people who need them the most is an act of kindness too. There is an undeniable power in positive words. They carry good vibrations and attract happiness. And this is what this podcast is all about. The power of words to influence us and the world we live in. Just say the word, a good, kind, caring word to someone and see what happens. This episode was written and produced by me, Yulia Stancheva, for Alpha CRC. My co-hosts are Paul Mangel and Joanna Shioka. Sound design, Alpha Studios. Audio engineers, Mikush Nanazi and Gerard Rodriguez. With special thanks to our guest, Tamara Rogers. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes, you can catch up with them on Podbean, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you like this show, please don't forget to share it with others, rate it and subscribe so you never miss another episode. Thank you for listening. We will be back in two weeks' time. Just say the word. 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 
This podcast was brought to you by Alpha CRC. Global enterprise localization, local user experience.